This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Happiness starts with you, not with the relationships, not with a great job, not with money or wealth, not with status, yours or the one you're connected to, but with you, Mandy Hale. A major obstacle to success and happiness is what Paul Angoni calls obsessive comparison disorder. It's our need to evaluate and decide if we are good enough by checking how we stack up to others. Since it's impossible to be the best at everything, this constant assessing is pointless, exhausting, and harmful to our self-esteem. A helpful perspective is to acknowledge that each of us has a unique set of strengths. Irene Caniano learned to appreciate this during her coach training. The instructor had them begin the sessions by describing themselves. Every week, they started by announcing who they are. They'd each give their names and add a sentence describing themselves with five positive adjectives. One person might use this sentence after announcing her name. I am an enthusiastic, compassionate, creative, curious, adventurous person. Another might use this one to describe his strengths. I am a kind, funny, caring, brave, open-minded individual. The purpose of this ritual was to teach everyone to be aware of their strengths and let others know who they really are. From this, Irene learned that there's no reason to feel inadequate if someone has a trait that she doesn't. Her strengths are gifts to others. Their strengths are gifts to her. She decided to use this strengths introduction exercise at the beginning of the workshops that she presents. Each time the participants finish their introductions, they find that various traits were mentioned. As a person who doesn't have a great sense of humor, Irene no longer concerned herself with this deficit. Invariably, at least one person in the audience mentions humor as a significant strength. Valeria interviews Irene Caniano, the author of Design Your Happiness, Nine Essential Elements to Create the Life You Want. We all deserve to be successful and happy. That's what Irene Caniano was thinking when she decided to become a life coach. She wanted to help millennials who were making a myriad of decisions that would impact their future. A strange thing happened during her training. She realized that the coaching principles were having a significant positive effect on every aspect of her life. Now, Irene enthusiastically passes on what she learned because she believes everyone can benefit from coaching. Before writing the book, she consulted with potential readers. 
They requested that she include stories, graphics, and activities that would make it easy to understand and apply the principles. Design Your Happiness is an inspirational and practical book that focuses on three areas: you, your relationships, and your choices. Certified by the International Coach Federation, Irene specializes in productivity and happiness. She offers coaching your way. The options include quick start slash customized sessions, unlock your potential, your best self video course, and coaching for individuals with ADHD. Irene serves as the mentoring coordinator at Elmer A. Sperry Toastmasters and is a board member at Nassau Chad Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Disorder. Each year, she plays a key role in organizing the Floral Park Lions Club Just for Women Expo. Irene's joy comes from loving relationships, connection with others, harmony, learning, nature, and living her purpose. Here is the interview with Irene Caniano. In your own words, who is Irene Caniano? I'd say I'm an optimistic person. And I value connection, harmony, learning, love, and nature. Mm. And I'm very happy with my roles as a mother, wife, grandma, friend, life coach, and volunteer. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, being content, right, with the roles, as you call it. How wonderful. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Design Your Happiness, Nine Essential Elements to Create the Life You Want, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. What is happiness to you, Irene? Happiness to me is being overall satisfied with the way you're living your life and being able to be living a meaningful life. Another question comes to mind. (laughs) What is a meaningful life? What does it mean exactly? Well, we all are unique and we all have gifts to offer. And a meaningful life, I think, comes easy because you're using your innate gifts in a way that benefits others and you're living a purpose that suits you perfectly. That brings fulfillment and it also contributes to the world. That makes so much sense. It's uh, it's mutual love, loving yourself and love, loving others at the same time. <laughs> what is the meaning of freedom to you? Freedom, I think, is to be yourself. That's the ultimate freedom, that you can actually be who you you are and express yourself in the way you want to uh, and live your values. Yeah, that's interesting. Values. I think I have a question for you about beliefs. I know you have element two values, element three, your beliefs. So I have this question here for later, but I'll ask now. What is the difference between values and beliefs? The values help you decide what you want to do. So if you want to do something, it's because it goes along with the way you feel you want to live. So, um, for instance, if I value connection, many of the things I do will be based on that motivation I want to connect. So we have many values in the way we live. The the, um, beliefs, to me, I always did the chapter on belief because there are limiting and empowering beliefs. And they're thoughts that we hold so closely that they're almost automatic to us. 
and they might have come from the past, from an event that filled us with emotion, and we kept that belief, and it rules a lot of what we do unconsciously. And then we have to sort out now, is that a belief that is relevant to what the situation is today? Is it helpful? Right. In question, yeah, that. So I'm wondering how values are constructed. How do we acquire them? What I think is happens is we get them from other people yeah. during our childhood. So we pick up other people's values and take them on because we honor the people who we've grown up with. And I think the 20s is where we start sorting out and finding our values and then picking and choosing how we want to live our life. And that's why I feel the 20s are so important because that's when we're forming our own values. So it's a process that's conscious, it's not unconscious, this selective process of understanding, of gathering values. Is that conscious or unconscious? I think it's conscious, but we don't always live our values because of peer pressure, because we want to keep peace in the family, uh, because we want to put others first. So it's, I think we know our values, but do we have the courage to live our values? It can be a very different story, right? Uh, having them, knowing them, and living them, right? So continue with my warm-up questions. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And what is your vision for a new reality? I think I'm trying to say not tolerance because that doesn't sound good enough. The ability to, to listen to others without judgment and let them first express themselves. That I think we need to be able to be listen to others and, and be open-minded. And then we can agree or disagree, but to have respect that other people have different opinions. I think that's what we've lost so much, the ability to listen. That is so true. Wow, but that requires a lot of um, self-knowledge, self-awareness, a lot of inner work from what I understand. Self-control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, self-control, right? Um, yeah, a lot of work on ourselves first, in a way. Um, what is love to you? To me, love is caring. It's as simple as that. Caring enough to give to others. You can love nature by caring for nature. You can love your spouse. You can love in a, in a way of caring for others, mm -hmm. too. So I just, I say love is caring. Yeah, yeah. That can be a very profound practice, yeah, caring for not just ourselves, but others, right? Um, that made me think also about self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I do, because if we have forgiveness, we can forgive ourselves for even the greatest faults that we have had. I think you can have unconditional self-love, and I think from that, is acceptance of yourself and then you can move forward without guilt and worry and and build a better person that that you want to be we all want to be a better version of ourselves anyway so we want to start first accepting ourselves and loving ourselves as we are right now right i love that i gotta use the same word <laughs> my next question is about peace 
What is your understanding and idea of peace? Mm, peace. Yeah. Well, I guess it goes with harmony. So to me, I would consider if things are working in a harmonious way, people are getting along, that's peace. Um, what else? Let's see. I, I, there could be inner peace also where you're in harmony with your values and and your beliefs in what you want to do with your life and you're living in harmony. So that could be peace for yourself. So I, I think peace is really harmony. Yeah, I love that word and the idea of that word, right? What, where and who is God to you? That is probably the hardest question anybody could think of, um, because we really, I don't think, ever know. Um, sure. But to me, I'd say God is the higher power. And he's the essence of, or I shouldn't say he, God is the essence of love, goodness, wisdom, and abundance. So God is good. That's that's uh, basically what I would say of God. Hmm. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? I do. And I think many of us experience both. Uh, I was brought up a Catholic and a lot of what I built my life on were the teachings and values of that we were taught as Catholics. And um, following the life of Jesus as an example has been something that I feel has led me in a lot of my decision making and my hopes that I could live a better life. But spirituality has been very important for me because that's the personal relationship with God, where religion has the traditions and the sense of community and set beliefs. Spirituality is my personal way of thinking of uh, God. And that's a one-to-one -one private relationship, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it's very personal. And my final question is about life again. What do you think is the purpose of life, the human experience? One thing I heard at church long ago was to use our gifts. And they said, use your time, your treasure, and your talents. And that always stuck with me. And I said, well, maybe that's the purpose of everyone's life. And I said, well, my particular person, uh, purpose, I think, to share my time, treasure, and talent, but especially the talent of coaching, because I've learned so much on that one thing that I feel like can change people's lives very easily if I could just share some of what I learned. So I think that's my purpose. Yeah. And that might be everyone's purpose, like you said, yeah, to share their gifts, right? Their unique yeah. gifts. Um, so let's talk about your work. How did you become a writer, Irene? Well, I was a coach and I kept coming along with my sessions, hearing the same thing from different people. And yeah. I had a lot of clients in their 20s and early 30s. And it seemed that they were all wanting more productivity, they wanted more job success, but they really wanted happiness. Mm. So I said, maybe I should write a book on happiness, which will help them get success anyway, because when we're happy, we can achieve more. So I, I decided to use the coaching principles that I learned and pick out nine of them that I could help 
people have a life where they could be more content without struggling for it. It would just be very natural for them to just look at their life in nine different places and see how they could make some changes and actually find themselves much more content and happy. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's so true. What we really want is to be happy, right? Yes. So true. So true. So my next question has to do with um, life coaching. When and why did you decide to become a life coach? Well, I was a teacher for over 20 years, but I decided I really had a calling to be a life coach because of a personal experience. My son, who was a teenager, was having great challenges uh, during his teens. And we took him to a psychologist and the psychologist says, nothing's wrong. We talked to the teachers and they said, oh, he's just an underachiever. And then at age 19, he was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and everything made sense. And I said, how many people are suffering and having chaotic lives and not realizing they have a condition called ADHD. And that's when I decided I wanted to go for coaching. And at that time, I thought it'd be only coaching people with ADHD. And that's what I started out with my coaching. That is so true. I interviewed somebody recently and she was a very unique interview because I don't really talk about autism. But she said that, that a lot of people, they live with the issue. They don't understand what it is and they don't look for diagnosis. So the process of writing your book, did that change anything? How did you change in the process of writing, designing your happiness? Well, I had uh, the opportunity to talk to some people in their 20s. So I gained a better understanding of what they like to, to read. So that helped me to learn how to make the book. So I put in graphics, I put in charts, I put in reflection sections and stories. So I learned how to be a more interesting writer because I would have probably been more textbook just explaining, explaining, but they made it, they wanted me to make it a very easy, fun read and something that they could get something out of quickly. So I became a writer for millennials, basically. <laughs> and it is so practical. It's easy to read. So let's talk about the nine essential elements to create the life I want, you want, we all want. <laughs> the truth is. So element one, your gifts. What is the best way? How do we learn to identify our natural strengths? Well, I was taking a course once and the teacher made us start the lesson each week with introducing ourselves, with naming our gifts. So I would say, I'm Irene and I'm friendly, I'm compassionate, I'm organized. So you'd have to give five of your gifts and you got to know each other, not by the name, but by identifying, oh, that's the funny guy. And it made us accentuate the fact that we all have gifts and we have different gifts and that's fine and that's good. So that was the thing about gifts, that sometimes you know your natural gifts, and sometimes you have to be told to look for them. And sometimes you can even ask other people and say, what do you think I'm good at? Or what do you what do you think about me? That Do I have any gifts? And there's also assessments. In my book, I mentioned a very quick assessment where you answer questions, and at the end, they give you 24 gifts in the order of your strengths. So the top seven ones are your true gifts. 
Yeah, that's a great exercise. I was like looking at them, that list. I'm like, oh, wow, there are way too many here. But I went through like all of these and love was the first one. I'm like, oh, yeah, love. So that's kind of my question now. How do we know when we don't know ourselves enough to even identify? We perhaps we want, we have these ideas and dreams of what we want to become, but it's not something that's innate in us yet. Yeah. Well, you can develop you can develop any qualities and traits. Uh, you really do find it easier when you're using your innate gifts. Now, it's interesting because when I took the inventory that I mentioned in the book, forgiveness came out of one as one of my top traits, and I never thought of that as a gift. But in every coaching session, I basically tell the person who is struggling with their self-concept, part of it is like, allow yourself to make mistakes. And part of that is forgiving yourself if you think you did something wrong. And I didn't realize that was that was actually a way I perceived life is like, let things go, forgive yourself, forget others and move on. So I think sometimes you see it when someone mentions it. And you keep hearing a compliment over and over again, like, wow, you're so creative. Wow, you're so creative. I mean, it should take hold that you're creative, naturally. That's true. That's a very good way. That's so true. If we are um, looking for that. And um, why does it take so long for us to engage in this kind of search, to become curious, to know what our gifts are? I think the younger people are searching because a lot of times I'll see people requesting a coach to find their purpose. And I think it's they're trying to find out what they're here for, and that would be what are they made to do, looking for their gifts in, in a roundabout way, I think. Uh, I think that the younger people are more understanding of that, that you try to find your gifts and use them for your purpose. Um, maybe And maybe maybe there are other things that are holding us back. Maybe we're just on a track to just do this, 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 and we never have time to reflect enough to to say, well, let's stop a bit and think. And that's what I hope the book would do, give people a chance to just look at their lives a little bit and see themselves in a new way. Yeah, that's exactly that. And this is the perfect opportunity, what's happening at this time, because we have more time for reflection. We, uh, we can be quiet for a change. <laughs> and um, you mentioned something. You say, avoid comparing yourself to others. Yes. And I'm almost wondering if this is universal, uh, that mostly in our head we're comparing. Uh, it's been called obsessive comparison disorder. And it's so funny because it's so true. How many times, how many times a day are you saying, um, oh, wow, she looks so great. I wish I could do that. It's like, I don't know. It, I think it starts in school. And that's a little bit of, I have a little guilt about being a teacher. I always felt very bad with grading. And I would mark the failing grades with um, like a little, little, little thing on the bottom. I'd put the grades on the bottom because I never wanted the other students to see the failing grades of their neighbors. I needed that comparison as a teacher. And I think that's one reason why coaching appealed to me so much. Uh, we might be learning comparison from our childhood and then it becomes second nature to us. Um, do you also connect this uh, kind of behavior to fear? low self-esteem fear yes yes 
fear of failure, fear of embarrassment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fear of not being accepted, right? So you want to look more like others, so you belong to a group. Uh, wow, that's amazing. So element two, your values. You talked to me earlier about the difference between values and beliefs. So now talk to me about the connection between values and goals. Values, I think, is values is what you really think is the best thing, is which is best. So you're, you're judging what's best with your values. That's my opinion. And goals are the results you want. Hopefully, they align with your values. And values can be anything from how you spend your money, how you spend your time, the causes you support. That they, they're, they're motivated by your values. What you're willing to trade off in life is a value also. Yeah, yeah. So um, sometimes we can value something, but want something different. That's how it works sometimes, which is, it seems like a contradiction. But There are contradictions. Um, for example, you can value your relationship, but know that you're not being treated properly. So you value, you value your own self-worth, but you value the relationship. So now you're in conflict. Yeah, you actually call that values conflict, right? So what do we do in this case, Irene? You have to, I think, really just stop and think and maybe just realize something's going to something's going to be lost in in your decision. You can't have it both ways. And then you think 10 years from now, which would have been the better decision if I look back? So you're valuing the lesson that so that's a value that you feel this is a I'm learning something from this. So I think that makes sense. You're very intentional. That's what I like. Whatever you're doing is intentional. That's great. It's when you're constantly in conflict is the problem. Yeah, I like these. Uh, that's interesting questions, right? Um, another thing you said about, yeah, this is something interesting about values that I read in your book about the purified heart. Talk to me about that, about following a purified heart. I think a lot of people say, follow your heart. It's like, follow your dreams. Do what you want, it almost sounds like. Do what feels good. But sometimes you have to think things out and say, is this something that's going to be good, not only for me, but for others? So that's what I feel is that following your purified heart. It's taking it more a step further and really thinking things through. So it's a more broad um, view of reality. Yeah. Checking is really helpful, not only to you, to others. It, there's no other effects. Only good is coming from what you're doing. I love that. Yes. Yeah. That has a lot to do with wisdom, it sounds like. Yes. So let's talk about element three, your beliefs. You say thoughts are powerful. Beliefs are super powerful. I experienced an aha moment when I was being coached during my training. And I said, oh, that's when I discovered beliefs are super powerful. So I was hesitant to do something. I, I didn't want to be in the spotlight. And 
I was asked, where did that come from? And I thought a little bit, and right away, uh, after that little fraction, I should say something came back to mind very vividly, a memory from when I was young in school, and in a first grade, and the teacher pulled us, uh, pulled a child off the line and screamed at him for talking and put him back in the line. And I realized that moment is the moment I made a rule for myself, and my belief was try not to be noticed, avoid the spotlight. And all through my life, I didn't realize that that moment actually changed who I was. That belief changed what I did. And in coaching, I realized how bad that took a hold on me. So now I realize that a belief is something that really can sidetrack almost everything you do. It's automatic. It's sort of like it comes, your actions come automatically from it without even thinking. You you won't participate because of that belief. You, you just won't be that person anymore who will participate. Right. I like the way you say it's super powerful because it is true. They can just drive our behaviors and our lives in every way. So true. Um, so I guess the question is, how do we learn to be more aware so we don't let that happen when it's... Uh, negative beliefs and limiting beliefs, as you call them? I think the, the way to know it is actually other people are probably giving us little hints about it and we're just not getting it. Oh, and then in a coaching session or a therapy session, I think we're because we're seeking answers, we're spending time and allowing ourselves to understand that this is true. And that we need to reevaluate that belief. Does it work all the time? Does it does it not apply at all? But it's hard to face it because it means that you've really spent a lot of time not having the belief that would have empowered you better in the past. I just think we're sensitive. We're sensitive to knowing sometimes the truth. Yeah, because that has a lot to do with deep constructing the identity. We know because now uh, without those beliefs, it's almost like we are just walking into the unknown. And that's very scary for most of us. So do you suggest um, therapy? I found coaching absolutely the best um, because I feel coaching is so natural. It's a conversation and you're, you're, you're going forward you can talk about the past, but it's always based on how we're going to use that to move forward. It's so positive and it's so much with right-sized steps that it's not an uncomfortable experience. Coaching, to me, is a very natural way of moving where you want to get. I say it's like going to a real estate agent. If you go to a real estate agent, you say, okay, could you help me? I want to find a place to live. And there's no judgment of what you ask for. You say, I, I want to live in this neighborhood. The real estate agent helps you get what you want more efficiently, with less stress, and also maybe with the better results than you even thought you would have had. And that's what a life coach does. Find you goal, the goal that you want. So true. It's almost like having a conversation or a relationship with a wise, I mean, having a wise friend. Yes. The only thing is the confidentiality helps too, because you can bear your soul without anyone else having to hear the details and no worry about that conversation going anywhere. And no prejudgment also. I have no prejudgment of the person who comes to coaching. I don't know, you know, so much about them that I'll say, well, I remember the time you did that. 
So I think I come from a, a more neutral spot. So it might be uh, a, a different kind of conversation than with a best friend or even a parent. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And element four, your contentment. So what is to feel content and fulfilled? What does it look like? Contentment is being satisfied in all areas of your life. You may be happy, happy, happy in one area, but you're content in other areas too. So maybe you get great fulfillment from your work, but that doesn't mean that your health is suffering. So that's contentment to me, that you've, you've taken care of all your areas of your life and you feel satisfied. How do we do that? That also sounds like having balance. Is it possible to have um, balance all the time? I think I like the word contentment because contentment doesn't mean ecstasy. Contentment, you're satisfied. So let's say I don't have much money right now, but I have a lot of hope that in the future I will. So my finances are not great, but I'm feeling good about my finances and uh, overall because I'm knowing that I'm going to do better in the future. Or I know that I have opportunities that I can seek or resources that I could try. So contentment to me doesn't mean the facts only. It's how you're perceiving the situation. Right. Yeah. And that's the key. You talk about attitude, change our attitude. So that makes sense. So it's not the situation itself, what it looks like to others, but the way we perceive them, our own perspective. Now it makes me think about self-trust. Yeah, trusting ourselves. That sounds really good. And some people connect contentment to happiness. Oh, I feel happiness may be a higher, higher than contentment. Uh, but being content is pretty good. So I would say some people probably in one area of their life, they're extremely happy. Uh, maybe they have a very, very good relationship, and that, that's a the high point of their life. But they're satisfied with their health and their relationships and their job. So to me, they're content and they're happy also. But in certain areas, they're happy and some of their content. So it's really satisfied with your life. Yeah, and that all sounds really good anyway. <laughs> um, element five, your network. So relationships, relationships, they are... Yeah, to me, they have been just teachers. Yeah, uh, I love being in relationships all, of all kinds. So to you, what is a, a healthy relationship? What is to have a healthy relationship? Trust. I love the word that you said before. Trust has to be in the relationship. I also think it has to give each person a power in it. It can't be one-sided. So... You have both people have to get something out of the relationship, respect, and probably there has to be mutual interests or something connecting you, something uh, that keeps you in the friendship. And often it's history that you've shared so much together that keeps a friendship. And that the person is there to be there for you in times of need. And even in romantic relationships, do you think that this idea of being friends, is that important or a must for a healthy relationship? I, I think so. I, I can't imagine it otherwise. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I want my, my partner to be my friend. <laughs> That's my best friend. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's true, Irene. And I love the way you said earlier about the way you, you defined uh, love, caring. Friends, they care, right? True friends care. So that's love. Um, and uh, the other question about network is um, how do we identify, how do we know, what are the signs when our relationships or some of our relationships don't serve us anymore? I think if you're uncomfortable in the relationship, that's a pretty good sign. If you find yourself not being able to express what you're thinking, if you're not you're, um, being honest anymore or the other person isn't being honest anymore, when you see the other person is not want somebody you respect anymore, I would say that's kind of the end of the relationship unless there's change. I like that. Unless there's change, it's a challenge for most of us to understand that we cannot change others because sometimes we stay in relationships and with the hope that one day they will listen and they will change. I guess you give people so much time and then you know it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm an optimist, but I'm not, I do want to be realist too. <laughs> right, right. Oh, wow. Relationships, they are, yeah, I call them teachers. <laughs> and element six, talk to me about, this is something that's very important in relationships, um, that ability to say no, um, boundaries. Talk to me about that. Yes, I think that that's probably the, one of the big problems in relationships is boundaries. When um, somebody is too easy to give in, that creates a setup. So one person has too much power. And then the other person feels very frustrated because they didn't get what they wanted, but they didn't express it. So the boundaries is a problem for both sides. The person who keeps saying yes has to learn to be strong enough to express their their wants. And the person who's kind of self-centered and rigid and it's my way or the highway, that person is going to have to be dealt with um, and maybe make changes if they want the relationship. So boundaries are important. And if if people don't adjust their own boundaries, they're responsible for the problem. They have to adjust their own boundaries to keep the relationship running smoothly. Wow. So true. I'm wondering how we can learn to say no and create those boundaries in a kind way. Yeah, I what I what I thought of is sometimes we have to actually plan it. So you have a neighbor who's constantly asking you to borrow or for favors or for rides. You have to actually say to yourself, okay, the next time I'm asked, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it in a firm way. I'm going to say it in a nice way. But you have to have a plan because you're changing the way you usually act. And I do think as you express your new view of things, things can change. But you have to be pretty clear on what you want and be able to follow through on what you want and set a new boundary line. Oh, wow. I love that. So in a way, it's like um, clearing our own minds uh, in advance, even preparing ourselves using those uh, inner tools. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that word clarity too, because from that comes the courage and we are able to respond and not react. Like you said, we know what we want. Right. I love that. And of mm -hmm. course, there are some people whose boundaries are too high. They don't want to let anybody in. So they have another thing. They have to start adjusting and trusting and letting people have a little access to them. So we all 
I think, can look at our boundaries and see what serves us best in an adjustment. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's individual, too. Every person, you might have to adjust your boundaries in different ways for different people. Yeah, that's true, because we're all unique, right? So true. And that's why this uh, inner work, uh, it's so important to get to know ourselves and everything that you teach. Is that a teaching or, um, or guidance? What would you call it, Irene? It's not, it's not teaching. Um, I really feel it's a, getting someone to have heightened awareness and then almost bringing it out from them as they have a chance to look at it. You're kind of guiding them, but it's coming from them. You want them to feel it and, and, and be there with it rather than it's being dispensed to them like a book. Because when you read books, I think a lot of us have read self-help books. We're getting all the information. But I only think when it really hits to you and it's coming, oh, now it, I, I feel it, I get it. So it's guiding it to come out from the person. Yeah. Oh, wow. Using the person's own inner wisdom and their energies to do the work. It's not that you're not doing the work for them, obviously. We are doing the work, but now we, we can see better because it's almost like having a map. Well, what we do use is called powerful questions, and there are like 500 powerful questions, um, but we don't memorize them. It's just that you intuitively say, this one fits. I know the kind of question I have to ask. But you ask it at the right moment so that person has to, from the next, that moment on, that person goes back to what they just said. And now they answer the question you said, and it should link something more to go deeper. Oh, wow. So would you say that also you need to be intuitive? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You uh, Coaches have to listen. Like, you're a very good listener, so you'll get this. You have to listen at a very high level. And you also have to listen to what's said, what's not said, tone, energy. So then you use your intuition. If something doesn't feel right or you sense fear, you, you can question it. You just ask a question to verify from the person. And then they can take it on from there, you know, yes or no, and, exp and explain how they're feeling. But it is intuition also. Mm. I like that. So it's the combination of wisdom, which can come from experience and or training and intuition. Right. So in your book, you have the seventh element, your customized environments. Also the eighth, uh, your three R kit. This is kind of cute. Restore, re-energize and recreate. And then element nine, your perspective. So we don't have time to go through all of them, um, all the ninth, but um, you said something that I don't often hear. Consider your long-term happiness. How can we visualize what the future will look like and how happy we will be uh, five years from now, 10 years? I think we can, we can vision it. We may, it may not come, but we can make a vision of it. Um, a lot of us have vision boards. And one thing I have on my vision board is an elderly couple dancing uh, outdoors, and I'm sitting in front of it right now. And it's because I always said, no matter, every year I get older, but I envision myself as healthy and active. So that's my long-term vision of what I want. Uh, it may not come to be, but I think it helps to have some long-term visions and optimistic views of what the future can be. 
Yeah, I love that. Wow, I love that image. Uh, I love dancing. I love the, uh, what dancing represents in a way, the freedom of mind, body, and spirit. So that sounds really good. Do you dance these days, you and your husband? I do, but I do dance a little bit. Not a good dancer, but I do nature. And this is an elderly couple dancing out on the grass. And it just was a comical kind of picture. And it, it looks like they were having fun. So I just said, I'm going to put that on my vision. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun and sounds peaceful and at the same time has a lot, a lot of life to it aliveness that's beautiful would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book before i ask you my final questions well um i like i would like to just offer something to the listeners if this is the right time yeah yeah absolutely I, I think some people are curious about coaching, but they don't want to sign up for coaching. So I'd like to offer your listeners a, a link to a free module that I have of videos on coaching principles. And they're, they're kind of, so you can use them to just learn a little bit about it. And there's little activities to go with it. And it would give them a touch of coaching. And if they want to contact me, I would uh, gladly send that link to them. Yeah, that sounds really good. Really, really good. And my last questions, uh, I have two. Yeah. If you knew you would die soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Well, I, I, I have thought of um, that question personally before you even asked it. And I have set things up already. So I feel really comfortable about how I would leave things. But if I knew I were going to die, I'd really want to make sure everybody knew how grateful I was to have them in my life, those who are very close to me. And I'd want to reassure my family that um, I've been very happy and grateful for what I've had. And I've, I feel like I've lived a wonderful life. So um, I would just want to be sure everybody knew that. And uh, I'd also want to make sure that I put everything in place for whatever I have left that's going to where I want it to go. So that's the back to your time, treasure, talent, making sure you've, you've taken care of that. But you wouldn't do anything differently or change anything. Right now, I feel I'm, I'm very introspective with my life. And I feel like each day I'm doing what I think I can do this day. And I'm doing it one day at a time. Yeah, I love that. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? I know for sure that love is love is key. That's the primary thing. Love is key. Um, the second thing is that everyone has gifts to contribute. And the last thing is that we're all on a journey trying, hopefully, to be a better version of ourselves each day. Yeah, love that. Thank you so much for your presence and your wisdom. Thank you, Irene. Well, Valerie, I want to thank you because you have done a beautiful thing for us to have these interviews. We're learning so much. And every time I get something very important from the interviews. Thank you. Thank you for your encouragement. <laughs> Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Hey, it's irenecaniano.com. I-R-E-N-E-C-A-N-I-A-N-O.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Irene, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening. 
To learn more about Irene Caniano, please visit her website, irenecaniano.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.